What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast. We've got episode 38. Uh, myself, Leo Canel in the house, and the man, the myth, the legend, Tyler Talbot is in. Ty? I was I was yesterday. You were a little sick. Yeah, huh? I think I got some food poisoning. It oh, was man. it was brutal, but I'm I'm here. I'm feeling a little better. Well, that's terrible. Nothing worse than a little food poisoning to really take your energy out and just just make a day that could have been productive, maybe not so productive, but that's that's part of the uh, part of the deal. In today's episode, we've got four fun topics. You know, for everyone who's a small business owner, entrepreneur out there, maybe you're in the business finance space, we've got some good stuff for you. Today, we're going to break down in the money section the four, the four most common reasons a small business fails. And obviously, number one is not going to be a surprise to some of you in the business finance space, but excited to unpack why business fails so that we can help businesses not fail. There's too many businesses failing in this country that shouldn't be. And by tackling these four topics, we're going to help less businesses fail. And so if you work with businesses or you are a business owner, pay attention. It's going to be a good one for you. Absolutely. And then the mindset piece, Leo, we've got to talk about Uh-oh. the the mindset the Miami Heat used to beat Boston in Game 7. I mean, quite the series. remarkable. You know, they just about made history for the wrong reason, you know, letting uh, Boston come back from 3-0 down to tie it 3-3. to And I think a lot of people put money on Boston expecting because no one had gone back home. Yeah. And so that was interesting. Our mastery topic is one that we've uh, talked a little bit here and there before, but just a great uh, a great topic to understand in terms of marketing and sales. The number one way to actually double and grow your business, this Dream 100 strategy. I want to unpack that a little bit more for you guys if we have time and how you can utilize it to grow your business substantially. It really is the number one reason why we got, you know, we're able to hit eight figures as a business. This is the number one reason 90% plus of our clients come from this strategy. So if you are struggling with marketing, with sales, or you, you want to really be able to grow your business without having to spend a fortune on marketing campaigns that may or may not work, this one works, and you're going to want to pay attention and take some notes on it. Absolutely. And then the sports section. I, I love this one. How good will the Jets be with Aaron Rodgers? You know, and there's a, there's an interesting article, and, and I think he might be, whoever wrote that article, maybe thinking similarly to you because a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, the Jets are going to challenge the Chiefs. They're probably going to make it to the Super Bowl. They're on their way. They're all set. And Maybe they're assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a plug-and-play, kind of like Tom Brady was with the Bucks. So we're going to unpack that, and that's going to be a fun topic to break down. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. 
Let's jump into the money topic here. The four most common reasons a small business fails. This is from our good friends at Investopedia.com. Thank you, Investopedia. Running a small business is not for the faint of heart. Entrepreneurship is inherently risky. Successful business owners must possess the ability to mitigate company-specific risks while simultaneously bringing a product or service to market at a price point that meets consumer demand and hopefully leaves you with profitability so you can actually grow that business and pay your bills. The most common reasons small business fail include, Ty, is this a surprise to you? Not at all. All right. In the article, according to Investopedia, a very respectable and reputable site when it comes to business, financials, etc. It says the most common reason small business businesses fail include a lack of capital or funding, retaining an inadequate management team, a faulty infrastructure or business model, and unsuccessful marketing initiatives. So key takeaways, running out of money is a small business's biggest risk Let's unpack that. So the financing hurdles, the number one reason most businesses fail, according to Investopedia, and I've read this in a lot of different articles across the business world and landscape, is typically that they just don't have enough runway. They run out of money and capital to pay their bills, to hire people, to be able to do marketing campaigns. And because they don't have enough access to money, they inevitably go out of business before they figure things out. And that is very unfortunate and very sad. Ty, as you unpack this number one reason why businesses fail, what can a business owner do to get in front and make sure that they are adequately capitalized and have the cash to continue? Yeah, there, there's a couple thoughts that come to mind when when we bring up this topic. And obviously, there's a lot of businesses that just don't have access to the capital that they need. So that that's part of the battle. The other part of the battle here is I, I think that because they're opening their business, they think that day one, right from the get-go, they need to be Google, right? They need to provide all yeah. of this and that for their employees that everyone needs MacBooks, everyone needs raising desks. And so they just get a little out of hand with the spending. Um, but that being said, I think the biggest thing that a business owner can do once they set their budget, once they get their QuickBooks dialed in, once they know what they actually need to spend money on is go get access to revolving lines of credit, go get access to business credit cards, make sure that you have the funding and the money available so that if things do go south for a little bit, or if, if a COVID pops up and you need to float payroll for a few months that you have the money to do it. And I say revolving lines of credit. So that way you don't have to spend the money until you need it, but make sure that you have the money there in case something does happen. No question that the time to get access to money is before you need the money. By the time you need it, it may be too late. And as business owner, timing is everything. And so having access to money, especially in a line of credit format, gives you a lot of flexibility knowing, hey, if there's an emergency, I can tap that line of credit, those, yep. those, uh, zero, those credit cards just sitting there, or sometimes it's a really big opportunity. Like for us right now, there's a big opportunity with this ERC program. And so it's like, wow, should we, it's going to take a minute for us to get paid, but should we, you know, pull from our lines and, and from our available capital to be able to build our profits and grow our business? And the answer is, as long as it's making me money and it's, you know, enough money to cover the cost of the money and all the expenses associated with it, and it helps me grow, then I should do it. If not, then I should not. That's simple. Exactly. It's, it's taking on debt with an educated expectation of a greater return. That, that's what we teach to all of, all of our clients. And 
we've done the homework and we've generated an educated expectation of a greater return. So we are more than more than comfortable to to spend our money and to go into a little bit of business debt to be able to create an educated expectation of a future greater return. You know, and at some point there has to be some blame that goes around and it has to be with the schooling. I had a gentleman on our podcast uh, last week. This guy went to dental school. So he's officially a doctor, dentist. And in dental school, he said they were supposed to have like two you know, little modules about how business works. And really, he only got one, and it was maybe 90 minutes. So in a total of eight years of schooling, that was really about all he got in terms of business finance, in terms of how he was going to grow his business. And unfortunately, he was able to plug in to his father's practice because his dad was an existing dentist, but most business owners don't have that luxury. And if you're, you know, starting a business that is not in a field where you had to go four extra years of college to get that title that, you know, helps a little bit because it makes it more difficult to actually jump into that business. But for, you know, the 30 million plus small business owners, and not to mention the 60 million, I mean, you, you really opened my eyes to that. There's 60 million gig workers in this country who don't get the knowledge they need to be able to grow and finance a business. Exactly. I see that all the time It with my sphere of influence. I see it more so with insurance agents. They go get licensed, say, oh, I want to start my own, my own agency. I want to start my own firm, whatever you yeah. want to call it. And they know everything about being an insurance agent, but they don't know how to keep their books. They don't know how to access capital. They don't know how to do their taxes. And so it becomes so darn expensive just being in business that they're not even making enough money as an agent to to stay afloat long enough. So, I mean, if you're you know, a, a dentist, a doctor, a, an insurance agent, you're maybe you're trying to start your own practice, you really need to go learn the business side of it. Yep. And then we got inadequate management after lack of funding and financing. So if you have poor management, and we've certainly seen this at different <laughs> aspects of our careers and businesses we've been associated with, what would you, if you were going to unpack bad management, how would you define it and how would you define good management? Yeah, I think it, it comes down to, to two things in, in my personal opinion. You can lead with fear, you can lead with love, and leading with fear may get you short-term results, but if you're going to build a long-term business, you need to learn how to lead with love. The other thing I would add to that is leading by example. If yeah. you're not out there busting your butt, if you're not the first one there, the last one to leave, if you don't work some weekends, if you don't lead the example of, hey, this is what we stand for as a company, this is our work ethic, and even more important than the work ethic is also just the word, the promises you make. Nothing will kill your company and your employee and your culture more than making a promise that you don't fulfill with your team, with your employees, with your clients, with your strategic partners and affiliates. If you don't follow through on the promises you make, that's the fastest way to, I think, kill your company. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I say love-based leadership, that doesn't mean that accountability doesn't exist, right? Obviously, your parents, as a young child, love you very, very much, but they still put you in timeout. Oh, so yeah. leading with love does not mean there's a lack of accountability. You still 100% hold people accountable, and you do exactly what you say you're going to do. But if your employees are coming to work every day scared that if they don't put up numbers day in and day out, they're going to get fired, then it's going to really, really be tough to build a culture, to, to build a business that people want to work for that will stay around for a long time, hence previous business did really, really well for a while, but people finally got fed up and said, I don't need this in my life anymore. I'm going to do something else. And fear-based leadership failed once again. I'm curious, Ty, you know, you're, you're a sports guy, you know, starting quarterback, good athlete. As you were growing up in, in sports, 
Did you have coaches yell at you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, and, and how, how did you or a lot of the kids you grew up with, how did you guys respond to that? We went separate ways. I, I mean, case in point, my senior year, we had about three seniors on our baseball team because of such a poor experience with that coach in the prior years. Everyone said, you know what? I'm done with this. I've had enough. We went and learned how to play lacrosse. Like, we definitely – but then again, I have those coaches that – you know, maybe I, I don't, I wouldn't say fear, but a deep, deep, deep level of respect. They weren't my best friends. They didn't, you know, that loving, having that love and respect doesn't mean that you have to be best friends, but it means that we were willing to perform. We knew that they had our best interest in mind and that it wasn't this constant fear of, of failure, because if you're constantly scared of what's going to happen, if you fail, you're going to fail. Mm, yeah, no question, no question. If every decision you're having to overthink it as a player, as an as a salesperson, as a key employee in a business on a team, if every decision you make you're afraid that you know your boss has created this uh, culture of fear, well, that's that's not going to be very effective. But then at the same time, if it's so you know everything's good and golden yeah. and, and you're good to go, and actually no one's accountable, then that doesn't work either. And so there is this delicate balance that you. Uh, you have to have as a manager of a successful business. The other thing I would say in today's culture, especially with younger generations, like when I was a kid growing up, I'd have coaches yell at me and I would come back, you know, 10 times harder, more pissed off. I'm going to prove you wrong type situation. And my 13 year old son is of that mindset, but I would say 95% of his generation are not. And, and especially my 10-year-old, as I've coached those kids, sometimes they'll come up with tough love. Hey, that was a terrible half. You guys didn't. And, but if I go too hard, they do not respond. Yep. So I have to really focus on exactly what the solutions are and how we're going to do them and really keep it uh, focused on, on how we're going to succeed in the positive while still trying to hold them accountable, but you can't be too hard. And so... That there is this delicate uh, management if you're going to be a oh, successful yeah. manager. As yeah. a leader, if you're going to come down on someone, you better provide a path to coming out of that, right? So if, case in point, in Little League, if, if you strike it, you and your coach have been working on something over and over and over, and you go to bat and you strike out and you completely disregarded everything that, that you worked on, that's a completely different story. But, I mean, that, that coach that you brought up, we would go up to bat, we'd strike out, just get chewed out, but there was no path forward. There's hey, that was terrible, but next time work on this. It was just this constant getting on you, getting getting after you for striking out, even if you tried your best. And it was just this constant well, fear of... It's like making love to the problem. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, we all know that's the problem. What's the solution, exactly. coach? Which I, hey, we're not watching all the way to the contact. Hey, we're not, you know, whatever those uh, key things that you need to do to actually be a successful hitter. And so that's what a lot of coaches really struggle with. Yep. All right, uh, next we've got ineffective business planning. Maybe there's not a, a vision. You you don't have a product or service that you set yourself apart from the competition. Uh, anything you'd add to ineffective business planning and how important that is? Yeah, just it's it's like anything in life. It comes down to goal setting. If you're doing something with no direction or doing something with yeah. no end in sight, it's going to be really hard to stay focused. It's almost like the business. You know, you're just doing a job, going through the motions. Versus, hey, we have a mission. We our mission is to serve small business owners, get them access to the best money, so that they can create great products and services, and we can really have a positive impact on our economy. But if you don't have a mission, it's just a job. It's just a job. So. Yeah. And then uh, marketing mishaps. This is so important because you can put all this money into marketing, but if you don't have marketing that you can measure 
tangible results with, then that's where you can, it's like a dark hole. It's like a black hole. You just put the money, it just disappears. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see that with businesses all the time. They'll spend all this money generating, generating leads, but these leads will have less than a 1% conversion. And that's just a complete waste. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't care how many leads you can generate. I hear, I care how many leads you can convert. And that's, that's the key here. Exactly right. And these are the reasons why many small business owners are going to fail. But right up at the top is that lack of capital. So an important one to nip in the bud if you haven't figured out how to do that yet. All right, guys, time for our next topic. This is our mindset topic. And obviously, we, we've been talking a little bit about this. We had the Eastern Conference Finals. It's been on TNT the last uh, week and a half or so. And we had, you know, a Game 7 last night. We had the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat, two uh, storied franchises that have done very well in basketball in the last, uh, you know, 15 years. And I always think back to when LeBron was with Miami and, and they were playing Paul Pierce and the Celtics and Kevin Garnett. Uh, there were some fun games uh, in between there. And then Ray Allen left the yeah. Celtics and went to the Miami Heat and, you know, knocked him out with uh, an amazing... Uh, Amazing uh, win there. But so no one had ever come back from 3 0 in any NBA playoff series and won. And so Miami's up 3 0, and Boston knocks off three wins in a row. And game seven was yesterday. So here's according to this uh, report here, and you had uh, something else interesting to add to this. But basically, Miami Heat players were told to pack for a week with a plan that they were going to Denver after Game 7. And I thought that might be the difference in this uh, Game 7. You've got Eric Spolstra, who is a championship coach, two championships. you got got uh, uh, Pat Riley, who's the president of Miami and won so many championships with the Lakers and then uh, came to Miami and, and won Miami, I guess, uh, three championships now. Yeah. And now they're in, in the NBA Finals again, and there's something about championship coaches. But basically, it's like, hey, guys, yep, uh, pack four, uh, game one in Denver, because we're going to obviously win this. We got our flight scheduled. The flight is going to be at this time for game seven, so make sure you guys are ready to go. And the interesting thing about it is that was the expectation. Miami's an eight seed. Yeah. Now, you must have known something, too, because tell us about what you did yesterday. Oh, yeah. I went and placed a, a big old bet on Miami winning this thing. That's unbelievable. Um, how, did you, how did you have the guts? How did you, the, what was the intuition thought that you were like, ah, oh, they're going to win? I, there's a few different things that I had read. I mean, I honestly, obviously, history was on my side. It, For it sure. It never happened. The odds. Um, yeah. I feel like the way game six ended, um, I read the after game six, Eric Spolstra got them all together. They said, it's time to vent, get everything out there. Um, if what's the word I'm talking about when you're, when you want to pick on someone, but do it in a positive way, constructive uh, criticism, yeah, it, they, yeah. they had this whole session of constructive criticism. They said, okay, it's over. Game six is done tomorrow. We're going to be on one side of history. Let's make sure we're on the right side of it and then move on. Um, rumor has it. He made them all get together and watch a, a short little video we don't, I, I, and if you know, put it in the comments. I don't think it's been put out there yet, but there's hints that they, they had them watch the uh, Man in the Arena episode on, on Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah. Um, they, they say that Boston's completed two of the greatest comebacks of all time uh, with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. Oh, yeah. And then the Red Sox. And apparently the Bruins have also come back from like oh, a, the hockey team, a yeah. 3 0. But they, there was already all this talk of how Boston's Boston's the team to do it and how it's going to happen. And I, I just think, for me personally, what it came down to was I put my money on Eric Spolstra. 
uh, Spolstra having been there, having yeah. done this, oh, yeah. having kept his team composed, and, and Jimmy Butler just being the ultimate competitor. Totally agree. And if Boston had been able to bring back their coach who took him to the finals last year, maybe it's a different outcome because oh, yeah. I feel like that guy was, uh, you know, he had more experience, uh, competitor, etc. This guy seemed like clearly he's a good coach. I mean, brought him down from 3-0, but I agree. I felt like Eric Spolstra was going to be the difference. And then you had that, uh, that, that kid, Caleb Martin. I thought he had a really cool story. So a lot of people know that Caleb Martin, he's got a twin brother, and their dad was Kenya Martin. And so I think a lot of people just assume that their childhood was easy, and they were around basketball the whole time, and they were destined for greatness. But as I read through it, I guess Kenya Martin wasn't really there as a dad. And uh, they were raised by a single mom and living in a, like a trailer park for most of their uh, you know young lives. And uh, she was working three jobs to take care of them, so they actually had to bust their butts to get out of there. This kid wasn't even drafted, yeah. which surprised me uh, as well. And you said you had a, a statistic yeah, about the undrafted guys, right? I can't, re- I can't remember where it went, but yeah, they had like three or four major major contributors, like fifty something points in last night's yeah. game were scored by undrafted players for the Heat, which just goes to show how spot-on Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra are with their scouting. Very impressive. Very impressive. So very cool, and mindset is everything. So these guys went in. It just shows you a great leader can change the mindset, and even when it seems like everything's against you, you can still come out and win with great leadership and a great mindset that comes from that great leader. And so expectations, um, focusing on solutions, all the types of principles we talk about for success. The Miami Heat executed on those as a number eight seed. These guys are also going to have the opportunity to win the first NBA championship as a number eight seed. This has never happened. I did not know that. Yeah, no, that, that and that's what the comment why they said we're going to be on one side of we're, we're going to make history one way or another. Let's let's be on the right side of it. So but it, it, it's exciting time to be a fan of a Miami sports team, Leo. We've got the Heat. Uh-oh, got the what Panthers. happened in hockey? Uh, again, I, I think they were like the, the bottom seed. They came in and, and took Boston out in the first round, who had wow. the greatest regular season of all time. Took them out in the first round, paved their way. They're in the Stanley Cup Finals. Sadly, I will be going for the Golden Knights, our, our Vegas team. But, Vegas uh, team. It's, it's great to see two Miami teams in championships, and it's, it's only a matter of time before we see the Dolphins. So. Yeah, that is correct. All right, we've got about eight minutes left here. We've got two topics. Should we just go to sports? Uh, or we got time to knock out both of these do mastery. Let's do mastery. All right, let's do our mastery. So mastery, this is the number one way to double your business, the Dream 100 strategy. We've talked a lot about this. This actually comes from an article at chetholmes.com. And it's a very interesting story. If you're not familiar uh, with it, I talk about it all the time in some of our trainings for small business owners, for Funding CEO Academy. But basically, the concept is that Chet Holmes was uh, one of Tony Robbins' uh, business partners. But before he became Tony Robbins' business partner and became very world famous as a sales and marketing expert, he was working in kind of an entry-level position for Charlie Munger. And then he was kind of put in charge of sales and marketing for one of Charlie Munger's. I think it was like a magazine type thing. This is in the 80s when magazines were a much bigger deal. And so they're like, hey, we need to sell more advertising because when you have a magazine, it's, it's like all your money basically comes from ads. And so you need to sell these advertising spaces and, and pages and things like that. And so that's what they, what they had to do. 
And they gave them a list of 2,500 potential buyers, other businesses who might want to advertise their business in, in this magazine. And they're like, yeah, just you know, reach out to these 2,500. Here's some phone numbers. Here's some mail addresses. Uh, you know, Let us know what you can do to, to generate some sales. So he's like, oh, this is terrible. So he goes through and he's like, I'm not going to call. This is great. I'm not going to go through 2,500. He's like, who's doing all the buying? Who are my dream clients that I want to work with? And he narrows it down to basically the top 100. And he's like, oh, these are guys, these top 100, they're buying 95% of the ads in this in, in this space. So why should I waste my time with the other 95% that are going to do nothing or, or very small orders? And so he spent all this time with his Dream 100. And for the first four months, he is sending out mail pieces with uh, like a ball or something in it so that people are like, oh, what's in this? It's weird. It gets their attention, gets them to open it. And then he would call them twice a month, his Dream 100. And he did this for four months. Guess how many sales he had? No, not a lot. He had none. He had no <laughs> no sales in four months. He's like, shit, this isn't working, but it's got to work. These guys do all the buying. And in month number five, Xerox, which was kind of like the apple of our day back in the 80s, says we're going to buy the biggest you know, uh, biggest uh, ad ever for your magazine, broke a record, and then every month after that, multiple of the Dream 100 came and they were purchasing ads. They really resonated with the way he reached out to them because he just stopped wasting his time with the, the other 95%. He just said, hey, these are my Dream 100. I'm going to just focus everything on them. And he was able to double that business every year for three years. And then from there on became Tony Robbins' business partner. He, he taught karate for 23 years. Just a really cool guy. Unfortunately, he passed away from cancer uh, way too, way too soon, but he left his mark with so many business owners, Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels. Yeah. He built ClickFunnels off of this strategy and funny enough, seven figures funding our business. 90% of our business comes from our dream 100 of our top partners who send in the majority of our business. And the cool thing about this strategy is you're not spending a fortune. Like you're just reaching out. Maybe you send some mail. Maybe you spend a little bit of money on some technology, but it's very cost effective and it's the fastest way to grow your business. What have you seen about this strategy that's been so powerful at helping businesses grow? Yeah, I, th I think the biggest thing with this strategy, Leo, is you need to understand how to make it a win-win. Right. You, exactly. you can't just ask for a handout for this company to provide yeah. all the leads for your yeah. business to succeed. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I think people forget how expensive marketing can be and how even with a really, really good marketing campaign, you may be giving away 30, 40, 50 percent of your margins. And so to go do a joint venture with a, a group that already has all of your clients and to say, hey, I'll give you 30 percent of all the revenue generated or 20% or 25% of all the revenue generated, that's still a really, really good deal. Oh, yeah. Yet sometimes people think, oh, you already have the clients. It's not costing you any extra. Here's a couple bucks every time I sign someone up, and it, it, it totally defeats the purpose. So I think the key is understanding and framing it in the right way to make this a win-win for both parties. At that point, there's no better strategy than the Dream 100. We've literally seen it work right here in our own business and for other businesses that we've coached and trained and mentored. So true. And so when you look at like an Elon Musk type business, like a Tesla or, or whatever, like it's all focused on customer centrist. How can I serve you customer client? How can I give you an over deliver results to you? And this dream 100 strategy is, is, Hey, I'm going to take care of your client, but how can I serve you 
my strategic partner. Oh, you know, you've got these customers who want to buy your high ticket stuff. What if we can finance them? Now you can help more clients grow your, it's all about how you are going to help and serve them, solve their problems. And if you can solve their problems, then they're going to want to work with you. And part of that is absolutely paying an affiliate commission. And you know, what's great about this. You know what your margins are. If you're yeah. paying 20, 25% of that partner, now you know what your margins are. The problem with a lot of marketing is it goes up and down. All of a sudden, <laughs> Facebook or YouTube, you know, change their ad algorithm and cost double and triple. And now you're not even, pro you're actually losing money. What's awesome about the Dream 100 is you know what your margins are going to be because of the specific amount that you're paying that the market, uh, you know, asks of you. And so it's such a powerful way to grow business, but it's, you're exactly right. It's how can I serve you? How can I provide more value to you as my referral partner so that you want to keep sending business into me? Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, case in point, like we just did with our Airbnb business, understanding, I guess, economies of scale where I can have my property rented out every single week, every single month, all year long and make X amount versus ah, I'm going to do this on my own and keep a hundred percent, but I only get 20 weeks rented out. It's, it's understanding the the math there and understanding your business model. And like we said in the very first topic, knowing your finances and having a proper business plan. But I, I'm with you, Leo. I don't think there's a better way to market than the Dream 100. So there's your mastery topic, guys. Make sure you take notes, review this. If you found value, share it with other small business owners so they can grow their business. We live in a world of abundance. There's enough to grow around for everybody. But these are true principles that if you implement, will lead to massive growth and success in your business. Time for our all-out sports topic. This is an interesting one. We've talked a little bit about this. This is how good will the New York football jets be? With Aaron Rodgers going into the 2023-24 season time, what are, we, what are you seeing with this? What I'm seeing is the AFC East in general just got significantly better. Uh -oh. The Jets obviously got better, but they have to play the Dolphins twice. They have to play the Bills twice. They have mm. to play the Patriots twice. Oof. They have to play, I believe, the Chiefs. I know they have to play the Eagles. I know they have to play the Cowboys. I know they have to play the Giants. I Wow, that's a stacked schedule. Yeah, I mean, the, everyone in the AFC East, I want to say, is like one, two, three, and four in toughest, toughest schedules. I think they gave the Patriots the number one toughest schedule because they're the worst team in the AFC East. Yeah. But that being said, Leo, I, I've been saying this since day one. It, it's interesting. You finally found someone that agrees with me because even Vegas is sold on Aaron Rodgers. This guy was not good last year. This guy has all sorts of baggage that comes along with him. He's distracted. He's not in love with the game anymore. He's living That's in New true. York City. You're going to see a drop-off from Sauce Gardner. He's, he's going to have sophomore woes. The New York Jets will be a 500 football team. Best case scenario, above a, a game above 500. They will not make a playoff push. They will not be in the Super Bowl. I think Vegas has them as like the third or fourth favorite. Uh, really? I checked that a couple weeks ago, so wow. it could have changed by now. I think uh, whatever happens with the, the Cardinals receiver, um, what's his name? DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. If he ends up at Buffalo yeah. or Kansas City, that's obviously going to stir things up. But uh, I, I stand by what I said the second I heard this Aaron Rodgers news. They, they will be a 500 football team. All right. So since divisional realignment in 2002, the 39 teams with bottom five offenses and top 10 defense have won 42% of the time. Well, that's not very good. About the same as the Jets' 41% win rate last season. 
33 of the 39 missed the playoffs. So the idea is they think, oh, their offense is going to be much, much improved. And yet, I'm not sure about that, neither are you. So scenario one, the offense improves but experiences growing pains. That's probably more likely. Yeah, tough to say we're going to experience growing pains when you've got a quarterback for one year. Like, it's just uh, the Jets do it again. They, they're they just a doomed franchise. I mean, yeah, I remember we were talking about this. It reminds me a lot of when they brought uh, Brett Favre over and he yep. left Green Bay, and it was kind of very similar to this, and and they plugged him in. And I don't know that they have that they're integrating an offense that he worked on. Are they? No, I mean, I mean, because that's a problem. Like that, Tom Brady really came in, and and they gave him a lot of freedom to kind of implement his. I mean, it wasn't a Bruce Arians offense exactly. It was definitely more. Hey, this is Tom Brady's type offense, and he really implemented what he wanted in it, and that led to the Bucks. And even then, I mean, I think they were like eight and six at one point. Like they ended the season on a positive note, but they did not have it. They had a, a rough season too, and then they figured out in the playoffs. But he had Gronk. I mean, he had Evan, Evans. I mean, he had a lot of tools. Antonio Brown until he took off his stuff. I mean, A.B. was <laughs> – well, A.B. played well in that Super Bowl, yeah, though. Yeah. He played yeah. well in that playoff run. I mean, they were they were dominant. Yeah, even Fournette was good. But I, I just don't see the types of weapons that he's going to have. No, they don't have it. And it's it's going to be such a tough, tough regular season. I I wouldn't be surprised if – if Aaron Rodgers faces some sort of season-ending injury I'm kind well of before they get to the playoffs. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't kind of – there's two things that I think Tom looked at. Number one, he's like, I'm going somewhere warmer because <laughs> that's going to be better on my body for 16 or 17 games. And then number two was, I want to go there's a shit ton of talent, right? Yeah. Offensively. And there's not. No. There's not. No, I mean, he's he went to a good defense, but this offense is a very, very young – unproven offense that is going to face some of the best defenses yeah. in the NFL week in, week out, all season long. Like, it's it's going to be a tough year. Yeah. I, I think maybe if they make it to the playoffs, they're probably a first-round exit. So, Oh, yeah, 100%. They, if they make it, they'll be, they'll be the, the third team in the AFC East, and it comes down to how, how, it, how, it, uh, yeah. how they do against some AFC West opponents because – it's tricky to get three teams out of one division into the playoffs. I'm still not sure that Buffalo got better. Yeah, I, I think the only way they can say they got better this offseason is if they do land DeAndre Hopkins, but I don't think that's going to happen. And even with DeAndre Hopkins, their their problem was on the other side of the ball, and their defense did not get better. Top four coming out of the AFC next year. Chiefs, number one, 100%. I'm going Dolphins number two, honestly. Okay. My unbiased, I think Dolphins they, they are the could. second best team. They've got massive talent. Um, I'd go Buffalo number three. No, take, take that back. Cincinnati number three and say, Buffalo number four. Yeah. It could be Buffalo or San Diego. But either yeah. way, I would put both of them above the Jets. Yeah. So oh, yeah. 100%. Jets might be six. Chargers are, Jets might be six. Chargers are definitely a better team than the Jets. Yeah. Okay, well, that's an accurate assessment, guys. This is recorded. We will Casey check this out in the fall, and uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see what our video editing man Casey uh, says about uh, this. If this is accurate or not, we will. Time will tell. Time will tell. The details will pan out, and we'll see who was right. But you know what? Yeah. Don't don't sleep on the Jacksonville Jaguars, Leo. They, that's true. Honestly, they came out with a lot of momentum, and Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning genius the Jaguars are a better team than the Jets that's today. true 
That's true. Sorry. That's true. What did Casey say? That's true. That would be awesome. I, I don't think anyone's getting through the Eagles, Casey, but I would I be all for a Cowboys-Dolphins. I mean, Jer- poor Jerry Jones. He's going to die after 30 years of mediocrity. <laughs> Jerry, you should have got out of the way and passed that GM job to someone who was a GM, bro. You're supposed to be the CEO, not a GM. I don't know why he thought he was a GM. Yeah. Why do you think he was a GM? I have no idea. All right. All right, guys. Well, that's the episode for today. If you liked it, loved it, if you hated it, give us some comments. Tell us how we're doing. If you want to subscribe, be a subscriber. You should. If you want to win, you should join the community. And if you want to help other small business owners, share the show with them and have an amazing week. And we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure Podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.